Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I am here with my co-host, Beth, today. How are you? Hello, fun to be here. Yes. I'm monthly co-host. I know, I know. Um, so, Beth, tell us a little bit about who our, our guest is yeah. today. So I am super pumped about our guest today. Her name is Fritha Pangeli and she runs the Center for Feldenkrais and Movement Arts. Um, and her work is just such a beautiful... Um, mix of of body and connecting to our mind and releasing um, whatever we need to sort of just live healthier, stronger lives. Um, And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. All right. So welcome, welcome, Britha. Thank you both so much for having me here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to talk about your work. Um, So Feldenkrais is sort of an awkward word if you're hearing it for the first time. Could you quickly just tell us what it is and sort of how you got here? Um, how did you get to be doing this work? You bet. So Feldenkrais, the Feldenkrais method of somatic education is really um, under the, the sort of area of somatic practices, which means soma is of the body. So um, we're learning from our own experience through this method. Um, we engage students in learning about themselves through movement. Um, we really create an environment that's safe and, ab- and people are able to learn at their own pace. Um, so that's just a sort of a quick, <laughs> I know we'll get into it more, but that's sort of a quick um, oh, that's description great. of it. And um, I got to Feldenkrais because uh, I was a professional dancer. I've danced all my life. I've, since I was five, been dancing. Um, and I struggled with, during my professional career with ba- regular chronic back pain, um, sciatica and all of that. And I had tried a lot of different modalities that had been really super helpful. And eventually I got to a point where I herniated a disc in my lower back. Um, and I just, I, I knew there was something out there that I wanted to, to learn more about. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted to understand um, how to change my patterns of movement because it seemed like I was continuing in this, in this vein, in this, this direction, this, these patterns that were, had, eventually culminated in this particular injury. So when I was in graduate school um, in in Washington State, I started taking Feldenkrais classes and noticed immediately a change and a difference and a real resonance with the work. Um, And so I decided to start a training program when I moved back to Massachusetts. Um, That's so great. I love too that you were sort of struggling with your with some of these sort of chronic conditions as a dancer um, and you tried different modalities and then sort of had this knowing that there had to be something a little bit more specific or a little bit more empowering out there. Yeah. It's like, I, I had heard of this term neuromuscular uh, reeducation. I didn't really understand what, what that meant or how to find out about it, but neuromuscular uh, education, neuromuscular reeducation, reeducation. Oh Yeah. Yeah, just sort of being able to retrain our bodies, our pa- our patterns, right? So, um, 
we all develop habits of movement and those habits are developed in con in the context of our environment and are very useful at the time. And sometimes we hold on to those patterns um, even when they're no longer useful. For example, if, you know, you have an ankle injury, you sprain an ankle and you have to sort of compensate for that for a while. And then oftentimes after an injury, we maintain those, those patterns, even though we don't, there's not an acute situation that we're trying to protect anymore. Um, so sort of re-educating the, the nervous system through the nervous system, learning about our habits, our patterns, and how we can actually um, improve our function. That's really what Feldenkrais Christ about, is about is, is looking at the function, looking at movement, looking at how we move and engage in our world and um, how can we make it better? How can we make it more efficient and easier? I love that so much. Um, in part, as a coach, right? We and and as people interested in health and wellness, our listeners on the show, we're always thinking about mindsets and how to shift our mindsets around beliefs or thoughts. And so it's like completely natural that we would also have mindsets around how we move our body, and and that a lot of those would be subconscious. Um, and so bringing them into consciousness, and then thinking about how we want to move differently. Is that is yeah. that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And, and really, Feldenkrais believed mind and body are, are the same. So a lot of times we talk about body-mind connection, or there's, there's this sort of way that we look at, at body and mind, maybe as either as separate or that they're connected. And, and Feldenkrais really... So I should say, <laughs> the Feldenkrais method was created by a man named Moshe Feldenkrais, who was a physicist and a judo master. Anybody who's interested in learning more about him, um, there's a really wonderful biography called a life in movement. Um, it's a biography of Moshe Feldenkrais. Um, so he he was really interested in. Um, I, I think I, I lost my train of thought. Can you bring me back <laughs> to where, yeah, where I of was course. going? So I think we were talking about sort of this mindset piece, um, and you said that Feldenkrais believed that mind and body were one. Yes. Yeah, so so when we're when we're looking at movement patterns. We're, we're looking at move, we're looking at patterns of mind really right so that they're, they're they're one and the same it's something I discovered in my own experience through my training sort of halfway through my training I realized oh if I you know I had I had all these I wanted to understand how to move better and be more efficient and then I realized oh <laughs> I have to change my behavior in relationship to my environment it gets it's the same thing it's not just um, changing how I use my arms or my ribs, but how do I feel about myself? What do I believe about myself? So all of these things are tied up together and the Feldenkrais method really works through the body um, because Feldenkrais believed that, that it's, it was easier maybe to sense where the effort or the tension is like physically in the body versus um, maybe something that's a little more amorphous in terms of um, the emotional piece, which um, people maybe have different feelings about that, but Feldenkrais really believed that if, if you can just feel in, in the movement, oh yeah, I feel this tension in my neck. How is that, how can I make that better? Is a little simpler than maybe sort of the complexity of our emotional lives, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, well, I think that um, people tend to 
feel uh, like physical pain first. So emotional pain, uh, mental pain, whether it's worry or stress, I think that sometimes, like you kind of described it as very amorphous, it can kind of like flutter up a little bit and kind of like vanish and evaporate. And there's, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't always like hold shape the way that um, our physical discomfort does. It can really lock around that. So um, it is a, it is, the physical is almost like an easier starting point for, uh, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's sort of the perspective we're working from, for sure. So I know you mentioned that, um, that oftentimes if you've had like an injury, like a sprain or something, your body is still sort of uh, acting as if you have the sprain, even though you don't have the sprain. But I mm-hmm. imagine too, there's a lot of examples like how we sit in a chair or s- work at a computer that's that we've sort of adapted to in conscious and subconscious ways without having an injury beforehand. Um, if you were working with a client or for a listener who's trying to sort of wrap their head around what this means in terms of practical terms, um, could you walk us through sort of how you might work with the two of us in terms of um, posture and how that feels and and how we might sit differently? Yeah, absolutely. So when I start working with somebody, um, the first thing I would do is obviously have a have a conversation about what's what's going on in their body, what they sense, what they feel, um, and then I would observe them in in maybe in an activity that they're having trouble with, or like you mentioned, sitting or standing, we're spending a lot of time sitting at the computer, that kind of thing. We sort of look at what's actually happening. And my goal is to help people observe that in themselves. So to help them see or feel something that they're not aware of. And that's the whole piece of um, awareness, right? So Feldenkrais called his classes awareness through movement. So it's not so much about the movement, it's about developing the awareness in yourself to sense what you're doing. Feldenkrais said, if you know what you're doing, you can do what you want, right? So if we don't know where we're starting from, it's really hard to know how to make a change. Um, So I would uh, observe somebody in movement in maybe a a position like sitting um, and then ask them to, or you, you know, if you're my clients, to sense yourself, see what you can feel, and then I can in the beginning even start to sense how accurately does someone sense themselves? Because that's also a skill and something that develops um, through this practice is I might in the beginning feel that completely opposite from what's actually happening just because I'm not used to sensing myself or I have layers sort of on top of what's actually happening. So that's where I start. Um, and also asking what someone's goals are functionally. What do you what do you want to be able to do in your life? Because that's that's really what what we're doing. That's what we're about. Is um, what do you, is sometimes that is just somebody comes with pain, right? They have pain in their shoulder, and they want to not have pain <laughs> so they can you know live comfortably. Sometimes it's somebody wants to be able to hike longer, or you know it's a physical. Um, activity that they want want to be able to do more. Um, so that sort of observation, beginning, helping someone draw them into their own sensation, and the end sort of finding out what what goals uh, functionally somebody is interested in pursuing. Do you ever tell people like, no, that goal is not attainable physically, or, um, or like recommend against a certain goal? Like, I guess I'm just thinking of the kind of idea that popped into my head was um, 
and not saying this is or isn't attainable, but uh, that kind of jumping from like being a regular marathon runner to like an ultra marathon runner mm-hmm. or kind of that like super athlete that like is really like, you know, people now can do things that people couldn't do 50 years ago even. So we're kind of always pushing that like physical envelope. Um, but do you ever do you ever discourage people from um, trying to uh just knowing how connected the mind and the body are, do you ever try mm. to um, kind of discourage people from uh, pushing into something that might be more tension for their body or like more tension for their mind? That's such an interesting question. I don't know that I've come across that um, like uh, idea <laughs> with people. Like, I guess the work in in the process of this work, one of the pieces of it is is it's very sort of, uh, in one sense, very hopeful. Like we really sort of need to depend on the on this this possibility that that we can change, right? That our brains are plastic. We ha- we can we can change the patterns. We can do things that maybe we didn't think we can do. And one of the, one of the other sort of common phrases that Feldenkrais um, teachers repeat that he said was. Um, our goal is to make the impossible possible, the possible easy and the easy pleasant mm-hmm. or, you know, nice or that kind of like um, has, has that real sort of sense of beauty and uh, aesthetic to it. Um, so I haven't really come across a situation where I felt like, Ooh, I don't know if I would recommend that. Um, but I guess how I would approach it if I did feel like, oh, I don't know if that's such a great idea is. Um, inviting them to observe their themselves around that goal, like observe what, why they're interested in that or what, what they feel in themselves. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. I, I'd have to think about it more, but I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely does. It, it gives me kind of some behind the scenes insight. So um, yeah, I didn't know if I necessarily had like a clear um, idea. But yeah, it's sort of, I, you know, sometimes I, I guess that question kind of is coming a little bit from the fact that like, sometimes people want to continue um, working harder, faster, longer, you know, instead mm-hmm. of actually like tuning in with what <laughs> is what their body is asking for, or what their um, emotions are asking for. And so sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes we have our, our these goals, these very like mind oriented goals of like pushing ourselves harder. I think that's sort of what, you know, kind of the where that question was uh, was planted from. That makes sense, and I it, it sort of draws me to um, remembering some of my teachers talking about this sort of issue. Like, you know, they've they've been working for that many more years, and they've worked with a lot of people and had that experience where they sort of see that. <laughs> see that sort of um, mindset. And I think, I think what we can offer is um, the, the slowing down and, and the awareness of a touching, touching in with oneself and what's really there. And we may not, uh, they may still decide to do, do the same thing, still sort of push themselves in that direction. Um, but our, our sort of framework is to provide them this sort of observation of themselves and what they may be making that choice, but maybe they have more awareness about the fact that they are making that choice. Because um, we're really engaging people in the process of listening 
and that that's not always easy right i'm sure that both of you have experienced that in your work that sometimes it's someone isn't ready or there's a lot of layers there that are sort of covering that ability to drop in and listen to what's what's really going on thank you fretha so we were talking before the break a little bit about having clients or individuals listen to themselves about their body and, and how hard that can be if we're not used to listening to our body in that way. Um, and in particular, sort of with posture, since that's something that everyone uh, struggles with at different times. And I even noticed talking to you for I always wind up sitting up a little taller, can't seem <laughs> to help it. But if you were if we were clients or customers, how would you talk to us about sort of tuning in or noticing our posture um, in a different way than we're used to? Um, well, I would I would start by sort of asking a bunch of questions, right? So if if someone is sitting, maybe I would say, um, sense your feet on the floor, sense your pelvis on the chair, and sort of just get go through sort of different places and to see, start to begin to see what they can feel in relationship to what I see and how that, you know, is, uh, it, like, I feel like, oh, yeah, they're, they're really feeling feeling where they are or uh, they're not. And if I'm working with them individually in person, then I would I would be able to use my hands to sort of give them more information sort of give some some information into their nervous system to say, okay, so you feel like you're sitting more on your right sits bone. What happens if, if or or I guess if I'm working with them in an online session or in a class, I can say, give them some, some movements to try. Say, if, for example, they're sitting and they feel like they're sitting more on their right sits bone, but it looks to me like they're sitting more on their left sits bone. I might say, okay, so feel what it feels like to lift your left sits bone away from the chair. Now, what is it like to lift your right sits bone away from the chair? And they go, oh, actually. <laughs> so I give I give them um, an experience through movement, either, you know, if I'm, I can't be with them in person or in person with my hands to sort of give them more information about where they actually are. And Does that makes sense. Yeah. And as you were describing that exercise, Beth and I were both sitting uh, in our seats and shifting back and forth, lifting our left sits bone and our right <laughs> sits bones. And it, it is, it's a really interesting, what do you do with that information from yeah. there? Like I like immediately knew with, like, it's so funny, right? How we do this stuff completely subconsciously. I actually put a lot of pressure on my left sits bone and not on my right um, and so I then was trying to balance, but then that actually feels uncomfortable, right? Because I'm so used to the to the tilt. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's Tell such me more. A good question. Yeah. Um, so one of the strategies we use is is in because you're exactly right. If I, if I tell somebody, okay, this is you know, if I give them the information, what I see is this is happening, and you need to fix it this way. But they have they don't feel anything in their bodies they're gonna sort of make another pattern on top of the pattern that mm. they already have. Whereas if I, okay, say, you said your left, left cis bone is heavier. So mm. what I would, I would, I think is what you said. Yep, you're um, right. I would have them actually lift the right sits bone a bunch of times and we do t lots of variations. You go, you're going into the pattern. Um, so that does two things. One thing, it, it gives the nervous system a chance to learn, right? It's like, oh, Okay, you get more information about that's what I'm doing. I had no idea I'm doing that. It becomes clear. You get and you invite them to observe their sternum and their eyes and their feet. How they so you you sort of bring the whole picture into that movement, make it clear, and and that also does another thing. 
especially if I'm working hands-on and I'm doing that work for the person, the, the muscles that are tight, you're, you're shortening them. So instead of um, going, oh, that muscle's tight, I'm gonna stretch, 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 that can create more tension, right? Because you're, you're, you're creating effort and tension in the system. Whereas if I go into the pattern, that muscle can go, oh, I can relax now. I don't have to do that work. And then you come back and you go, okay, now lift your left sits bone. Oh, all of a sudden it's easier because you learn something in that process and you're sort of engaging the whole body. You're engaging the sort of the, the pathways in the brain. It's not just about um, trying to make one muscle longer or shorter, um, but it's really a process of uh, engaging the whole function. I have to say I did that as you were talking and it felt so much better when I was originally trying to sort of like hustle myself into sitting flat or more anchored on both sits bones. Um, that felt really uncomfortable, but then that sort of rocking into my left side allowed more. F- it's such a compassionate approach, right? Instead of hustling ourselves into another different way of being, we're sort of like honoring the 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 way that we're handling our body um, and then sort of teaching it, right? It's such a, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just such an, a compassionate approach. Yeah, and I've had I've had students say that to me. You know, this how this feels like so compassionate this this work, and it's it's also very empowering, right? Because it gives the the student or the client the the ability to, when they come back to that later that day or later in the week, and they're, they're sitting and they're like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Where am I? What am I doing? Oh, okay, there I am. And and what you mentioned earlier about just trying to like hustle or trying to like put yourself in a different place. Once you stop thinking about it you go back into your pattern, right? So this this learning allows us to begin to integrate it um, and sort of expand the awareness to other parts of our lives where we can use it and, and feel better. That's awesome. Caroline, what did you notice about your sits bones? Um, I often, I also feel like I was, uh, more of my weight was on my my left sits bone. And then, yeah, I just was doing the repetitions of, of like, like squeezing and pulsing the right one. And I, I'm sitting differently, and I also felt my jaw release. So yeah. that's I was I was like, okay, like they're they're those are connected somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And those those little pieces of the puzzle really um, bring bring um, more clarity, right, to our whole image and how everything's connected, and um, how when we hold our breath, that might affect our jaw or how we're sitting you know, affects how we, we engage the floor through our feet or when, and then we'll bring it up to standing. Then, then what happens? How are we, how are we standing and walking and how that might be influencing our spines? And um, so that's, that's a really important piece of the work. Very cool. So this brings me to my next question, um, which is something you shared with me. Um, so I am probably five, four, although my driver's license says five, five, don't tell the Commonwealth. Um, <laughs> but I believe that through Feldenkrais, you have gotten taller. Can you tell me about how you did that and how that I is, can do that too? <laughs> that is true. Um, so I used to be five, five and a half and slowly over the years shrunk to five, four and three quarters. I like the specifics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Part of that is probably the disc injury. I lost some height there um, in, when that disc got damaged and I lost some of that um, support. 
Um, but through my studies and learning about um, the one of the Feldenkrais principles is we we want the to direct forces through our bodies in such a way that it, it sort of lengthens the spine, right? So if I'm standing, I'm walking, I there's the force of gravity working on me, right? And so when I when I step, then there's the ground forces from the ground coming up through me, sort of equal and opposite. Um, and if I step in such a way where the forces sort of go across me, they might go across my spine or they might do something in such a way where I'm kind of falling somewhere in myself, um, that sort of tends to make me shorter because it sort of compresses the spine. Whereas if I can direct the forces from the ground through my skeleton so that I get tall, I get longer through my spine, I'm actually create, keeping that space in my spine rather than compressing myself. So I've done a lot of, you know, advanced trainings and study, self-study, and I've learned to understand how to direct those forces through myself so that I'm not sort of compressing and falling into my spine or falling into the floor. Um, There's sort of a, it's a particular teacher that I've studied with that's really helped me understand the sort of paradigm shift. Like I can walk and I can just fall and, and let the earth catch me. Or I can be ready as soon as I, you know, step on my foot that I'm ready to move away from the ground. That there's this really clear organization in my foot and my leg that allows me to be light and easeful. Um, and that all puts, put together allows me to be taller. So, yeah, I, I went to the doctor, I think it was probably a year or so, maybe two years ago now. And I was like, oh, I grew a quarter of an inch. <laughs> it was very exciting. This um, just very clear indication that something that I'm doing is, is actually, um, it's making a difference. It's, a, it's actually working, I guess. And what is, what is walking feel like when you're more in tune with these sort of, uh, these like gravitational pulls and pushes within your body and from the earth and around you? What is, is walking more, is more of like a joyful experience? Does it feel more organized? Um, do you feel like you have a little like more pep in your step? Like what does it do for the mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely feel lighter. Um, it feels easier. Like I'm not working against myself. Um, in whatever ways that I can from whatever habits and patterns that I developed. Um, and I actually walk faster um, through, through these like really specific self-study uh, for, for like almost 20 years, my partner would say, I would have to say to her, could you slow down? <laughs> you just can't keep up. And then at one point she turned to me, she's like, what happened? Like I was keeping up. I was, it's sort of like this very clear, because I was more efficient, I was able to use the ground and direct the forces through myself in such a way that it just felt light, easy. Um, there was some way that I think I was falling backwards when I was trying to walk forward, which you can you can imagine that sort of like push and pull, that effort that has to go into, into that. Whereas when you're really clearly organized and directing the forces in a particular way, you just move forward instead of move, trying to move forward and move backward. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it feels light. It feels easy. I can move more quickly. And I definitely have days where I'm like, ugh, <laughs> I feel like I'm not quite there. You know, they fall, have fallen somewhere into an old pattern. Um, I have to find my way out of it. Um, but yeah, it's a great question. Cool. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. So I'm imagining a listener who's, um, who's sort of 
all along for the ride and then is thinking about sort of how this might be different than physical therapy. So if you had an illness and we're trying to recover from it, this seems like such a great modality um, to, to explore, um, but sort of in practical terms, how, wh where might someone use it if they were recovering from a, from an, from a injury or um, yeah, sort of what's the entry point? Yeah, it could be, um, it could be a lot of different entry points, I guess. It could be some someone could come in to Feldenkrais at, in a very acute place. For example, they have, I worked with somebody once who had broken her wrist. She was in a cast um, and I was able to work with her hands and like her wrist, you know, make a connection through that place that was sort of immobilized and allow her to feel more sort of alive and connected and sort of improve the healing. Um, and there, there's also people I work with where they've, you know, it's been months or years where they, they had an injury and then they were fine until a certain point, then uh, things started to get uncomfortable. Maybe it was a, an ankle sprain and now they're, they have back pain and there's something that didn't get reorganized on the foot. Um, that's sort of, now it's, showing up in their, in their back. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of entry, entry points. And I think one of the things, um, if there's so many different kinds of physical therapists, like there's people work in such different ways. One of the things I would say is, uh, healing is partly in a, in, in connection, right. With someone. And it depends on the person and who, who the person is and how you sort of resonate with them. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that Feldenkrais practitioners are really good at is understanding movement, looking at movement, looking at patterns. Um, so a lot of times people come to me that they, they've tried other things and they can't, they can't quite figure out what, how to sort of get to the next point. Sometimes that's also a, a good entry point where they've tried a lot of other things and they, they're just not sure how to move forward. Um, cool. So I, I guess I'm not exactly sure sure how to answer that in terms of like differences between physical therapists, physical therapy and Feldenkrais, because there are so many different ways people work mm. in physical therapy. Um, so we're here with Fritha Pangeli yes. from the Center for Feldenkrais and Movement Arts. And we've been talking a lot about the Feldenkrais side of your work um, and um, posture and how we move and noticing and listening to our bodies. Um, and there's another breadth of your work, which is sort of uh, grounded in the emotional freedom technique and EFT. Um, so I guess I'd love to hear how you see this relationship between mind and body and opening to emotional freedom um, and how it sort of became a part of your practice. Um, Two big I questions in a row. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. You could remind me if I, you know, veer off in one direction. Um, so the the EFT work, as I've experienced it myself, I really sort of resonated with it as a very similar way of working with the body. To me, it's a somatic, somatic practice, right? It's tapping on specific points based on the, the meridians um, and energy pathways in, from traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and the idea is sort of really in my experience, to um, sense into our bodies, to sense what sort of how our experiences, how our negative 
experiences may be held in our body. And that's, it's, it's exactly the same thing as what we look at in Feldenkrais in a way, right? Um, if you look at someone's posture, it could, it could be very simply that they sprained their ankle and they, the way that's sort of moving through their bodies is really throwing things off. But a lot of times sort of you can look at posture in a sort of in the frame of emotional life and how someone sees themselves or how they, what they believe about themselves or the world. Um, so to me, it's, it's another tool to sort of connect into the body and um, release those sort of negative ways of holding um, uh, those things in our bodies. And I, I came to it because in part because there's some people that I work with that, that they make all these connections uh, between, you know, the mind and body and they sort of go, oh, you know, <laughs> they're able to, to sort of connect their emotional lives and sort of come out of their patterns in a certain way. Um, and some, sometimes I can work with someone and some transformation happens, but then the next time they come, it's the same sort of milieu that they're in. And so the EFT sort of gives me another way to help them connect with what's going on emotionally in their bodies. So if you had um, a client who didn't want to sort of go into the emotions, then do you sort of stick with the Feldenkrais? Or if you were a client that was like, you know, I have this back injury, it's tied to this, you know, trauma or to this experience. Um, I guess I'm sort of wondering how you sort of handle them t- together or if someone wasn't interested in, in it at all? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I Usually people will come to me because they're interested in one or the other. I've had a, you know, a few clients who, who sort of aren't sure and they start to try both and then they sort of determine which modality they want to work in or, or you know, we're work doing a Feldenkrais session and emotional stuff comes up and then we can just start tapping and so that becomes a really useful useful tool. Um, I certainly, I guess, both modalities, I really feel like it's, it's that empowering in the sense of like, let's really trust what your body needs, what you want, um, what works for you. And so I, I would guide them and offer possibility and see, see what makes sense for them. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and so you, you would sort of, you kind of do one or the other, because I was sort of, yeah, you do one or the other, depending on sort of what's coming up and who the person is. Is that yeah. yeah, yeah, usually um, with with COVID actually and doing doing a lot more online there, they've had some clients transition from doing Feldenkrais to EFT because it's, it's um, it just it just opened up an, a new, I think maybe EFT can can feel if, if we're sort of diving into the emotional stuff, it can feel a little like more uh, reticent or nervous about it, but somehow, you know, having that uh door got opened for some reason um working working online so so yeah i guess it really depends on the person i and i i'm really interested in combining the two with people if if that's something that they're interested in and i have have worked in both modalities with some people um yeah it's exciting i think to to bring them together i'm actually teaching a workshop tomorrow uh combining eft and feldenkrais so i'm really excited about that can you tell us a little bit about um, what that workshop, how that's going to be organized and what you guys, what kind of fun stuff you guys are going to be doing? Yeah. So we, I'm, I'm co-teaching it with my um, colleague, Sarah Young, who's also a Feldenkrais practitioner. 
and we'll be um, we'll be starting out in the body in Feldenkrais, sort of offering a Feldenkrais lesson, inviting people to sense into their bodies, the sensations, but also seeing what comes up for them emotionally or in relationship to like what beliefs do you have or you come up against this like this discomfort or uh, blockage in your in your physical movement, what what comes up for you in terms of um, frustration or curiosity or what you know what else is there um, and then we'll we'll transition into doing an EFT tapping session altogether and then come back into the body in the Fulton Christ lesson to see see what's changed see what might what other possibilities might be available after going through that that sort of process so that's that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow very cool. I think um, this this might have been like a couple of years ago. I want to say um, maybe three years ago. You you had I had attended one of your workshops on um, on eye care and eye movement. And as somebody who wears contacts and glasses, I not at the same time, thankfully, but um, <laughs> I, I you know I've had really horrible vision for uh, since like first grade. And I remember um, coming out of that workshop and just feeling. Like I was a little bit more coordinated, like I could see, uh, like my eyes almost like took in more information from like above, you know, the sort of like above the typical eye line. It, I mean, it literally shifted in just a couple of hours during the workshop. Like it shifted how I like looked at the world. It was it was really interesting. I think I probably went back to, you know, normal after you know like uh, since then but um it was it really left a very deep impact in in uh the kind of exercises that we did during that workshop very cool yeah it's it, the eyes are um so connected to everything right the, they they really uh organize the whole the movement of the whole body if you think about sort of function and survival like right we're always um um survival is is what we're all about right <laughs> and, and homeostasis and knowing what's happening in our environment and if you think about if you turn your head so do you hear something or you you see something in the in the distance you turn your head it it co- coordinates and organizes your neck your spine your how you're standing on your, everything is a part of that of that movement and um I, the eyes are just like every other muscle in the body and in terms of like range of motion, if we, if we sort of allow the eyes to move and all the possible ranges of um, movement, it reminds the system that those, those are actually possible. Yeah. And, and even hearing you talk about the workshop, your whole body got bigger and more ex- your arms, like you just showed yeah. up in more power, which was really cool. Just that, you know, such a small part of us um, and so powerful. So what other yeah. workshops do you have coming up, Fritha? I know you have a pregnancy pauses set of classes um, coming up. Can you tell us more about sort of some of the more specialty things on, on the horizon? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm starting a series of classes for pregnant people to help improve ease and comfort during pregnancy. Um, that starts on Monday. It's a six-week series of classes. Um and I'm teaching a pelvic health for women, an empowered approach to pelvic health, actually, for women on February 13th. It's a three-hour workshop I teach with a colleague uh, who's a whole woman practitioner. And it's all about posture and breathing and how to sort of help women understand what's happening 
if they're having leakage or urgency issues or, or they're, you know, they don't understand what's, what is prolapse, why, what's happening in my body and how we can actually through our posture and breathing, make a difference um, and improve those, um, those issues. So that's coming up in February. And um, I'm doing a workshop on shoulders in March, in the beginning of March. So those are the things that are coming up. It's lots of stuff. And where can people find information about these fabulous offerings? My website is feldenkraisandmovementarts.com. And there's uh, tabs for workshops and classes. And um, hopefully it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory once they get there. Um, I don't know if it makes sense to spell it out or if, if that just saying it is enough. Uh, you can go ahead and spell it out if you want to. That um, that might be helpful, just so people have, a, have you know an additional way of of uh, taking in that information. Right. Yeah. So it's a kind of a mouthful. <laughs> um, so Feldenkrais and Movement Arts is F E L D E N K R A I S and A N D Movement Arts. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. So as people sort of are, as we're wrapping up this conversation and if people have been listening for a while, um, what are some of the, like, if someone was to take a couple like practical tips from the, from our conversation or something to sort of take into their weekend, what would be, um, what would be those sort of those thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, I like that question. I think one of the things that comes to mind is that change is possible. Um, if we sort of, it's almost like Feldenkrais, he understood neuroplasticity before we knew what neuroplasticity was. Um, but he, he understood that. So we have to learn how to do everything, right? We are born, we have to learn how to use our eyes to see, we have to learn how to crawl, we have to learn how to walk, ride a bike, whatever it is, right? All the, the skills and functions that we do. Um, and we maintain that, that potential throughout our lifetimes um, to learn. Um, and so that allows us the potential to, to change, to find new possibilities within ourselves, to find new resources within ourselves that we didn't know we had. Um, and I guess the other, the other piece of the, of the work is that Feldenkrais understood that we needed to be feel safe to learn. And I think what we know about trauma and um, the polyvagal theory, those kinds of things, like safety is really important for, for healing, for learning. Um, and so in seeking a practitioner or somebody that you want to work with, that can also be a really important piece of, of finding a, a way to something different is really having that that sense of trust and safety with somebody. I love that. Um, thinking about sort of safety as part of the work that you do or, or that all health and wellness practitioners engage in, right? Which is that how mm-hmm. sort of daunting it can feel to reach out or to ask for help or to identify that you need help, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever kind of support. Um, and I know lots of people right now too are are struggling as we are in this sort of long winter of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sort of curious for someone. We talked a little bit about your workshops. For someone who is listening to this interview and is interested in working with you, but you know is wants to take those like 
very safe, small steps. Um, when they entered your website or something, how would they um, reach out to you? Um, or how do you work yeah. with one-on-one with a client? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, there's a tab, I think it says private sessions. Um, it's changed a couple times, but I think that's what it's currently says. Um, and so people can book a session with me right there. They want to learn more about what I do and how I work. Um, and I'm currently only offering uh, work online. I have been working outside outdoors on my front porch individually with people, but we're kind of shut down for the, the cold winter <laughs> for now. Um, but but the, my website would have information about about that and the different you know modalities Feldenkrais and EFT um, combining combining those things I'm also offering classes weekly classes um, that people can drop into to check out or sign up for a series um, that kind of thing yeah weekly classes seems like a great entry point if something was feeling scary or nervous mm-hmm yeah and I think the weekly classes are also really nice when you're kind of learning a new skill, you can go home, you can integrate it, you know, your, your mindset changes, your physical practices change. And then, you know, it's like you come back week after week, and you really get a chance to, uh, like, integrate the new habits and like learn the new habits. So it's it really does make a, a big difference, um, getting a chance to expand your learning sequences. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that the, it is a practice, right? It's like thinking about uh, piano, wanting to learn to play piano or tennis or <laughs> any skill, right? That it's sort of confusing because we might be working on a function like walking or, you know, turning. That's something that we already know how to do. So it feels like, why why do I have to take classes to learn how to do that? And it's, it's easier to think, oh, I want to learn how to play piano. So I'm going to sign up for, you know, lessons for six months or something like that. Whereas, Feldenkrais work, it's it's the same kind of thing. We're, we're learning to improve the things that we already know how to do, um, and that takes practice. So the, the weekly sort of check-in is always a nice way to approach it. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I think that it's 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 re, relearning what we already know how to do and improving it, but also, like, you feel really good. And it's, like, it's deceptively simple in a lot of ways because sometimes those little things that you do to feel better it's like you don't even know the like ripple effects that it has in your life when you're just like shoulder isn't hurting all the time or if you're not like constantly you know left leaning or um you know having some kind of you know, whatever is kind of going on like you know when you kind of fix those or like tweak those little patterns like you feel better but also like it just you just don't know how it's going to affect like the people in your life, the animals that you live with, because our animals take on a lot of our patterns, emotional patterns and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's simple, but it's like, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. And if I could just add on to that, I had a session with Fritha and I have had three children. And so my, I know my pelvis tends to tilt forward still. Um, and um, and I noticed it in my yoga practice. I noticed it in my meditation. Like I noticed it mm-hmm. everywhere. My body moved, felt cleaner and more alive. So, so cool. cool. Yeah, that ability to, to bring it to everything. That's lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Fritha, for, for coming on the show and um, and talking about what you do and, and all these kind of uh, really beautiful practices that you're bringing to the Pioneer Valley. 
Um, and if anyone is is just tuning in now and wants to catch the the full interview, um, you can always go on to either the Energy Matters podcast in about a week. Uh, anywhere that you find your podcast, you can find the Energy Matters podcast and catch this episode. Um, or you can also go on to ReikiNorthampton.com uh, backslash radio dash archives. And again, this will be posted um, in about a week and a half. So um, so thank you again, Fritha. And, and thank you, Beth. Thanks for having me me. Thanks for coming on, Fretha. It was such a pleasure to hear about your work today. Thank you so much, both of you. It was lovely to talk with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have an amazing weekend, everyone. And uh, Fritha, you can stay on the line and uh, be well, everyone.